Pelosi lies. No surprise there. We have found the dumbest person on the planet. We will present her to you tonight. And Elon on transitioning. Very interesting news. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. It's Friday, Friday. We're very pleased about that. Friday is here. The week is almost done. And yeah, hey, protect your online activity with the best and the easiest VPN, NordVPN. If you use the special link down there in our show notes, it will get you a fantastic deal. Don't miss it while it lasts. Grab this deal now. Three months free and 59% off. NordVPN. All right, let's get right into it and start off as we always start off. And that is with our favorite little furry friend, Miko Diko. Man, the Miko update. She's doing great. Had a wonderful walk. You know, I told you before, when we go for a walk, I let her go where she wants to. I don't direct her. I, For the most part, unless I'm in a hurry or, you know, starting to rain, I will just let her go where she wants to go. Tonight, she apparently wanted to go everywhere because we went everywhere. We must have done a two or three kilometer walk. I know that's not that far, but for me, the old man, it's a hike. So anyway, she was doing great. That's her tonight. And uh, yeah, in her favorite upside down position, she's doing really, really well. Um, We were going to have her uh, transitioned. As you know, she's decided that uh, she wants to be an it. So she's she's going to undergo uh, the surgery. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure we can actually get it done in time before her next cycle. So we'll see what happens anyway. Our Miko update is brought to you by BarkBox.com. If you use our link in the show notes, easy to remember, it's BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O. You get a free extra month. Every month, delivered right to your door, a box full of themed treats, a new theme every month. You get two toys, two bags of dog treats, and a dog chew sized right for your dog, no allergies because whatever your dog has is allergic to. There's a checkbox you can mark off and they'll make sure you don't get it. And every month you get a new box. You will be happy because, and your dog will be happy, very happy. There's a 100% happiness guarantee at BarkBox.com. If you're ever not happy with anything, hard to believe that would happen, but you never know. You just get a hold of customer service, they'll make it right. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. BarkBox.com slash Miko. Use that link. It's in our show notes if you forget. And you will get a free extra month from BarkBox.com. You know, our headline tonight was Nancy Pelosi lies. No surprise there. However, this popped just a short while ago, a couple of few hours ago. And I wanted to put this up front because it is huge news. It's from John Solomon's site, Just the News. Very trustworthy site, John Solomon. And this popped. It's not Pelosi. This is a different uh, different story, different subject, but it's a big one. It's been in the news a lot lately. Comer wins. FBI relents and agrees to deliver the subpoenaed memo alleging Biden bribery to the Capitol. Christopher Wray, FBI director, that moron facing a potential contempt vote when the deal was struck 
Um, he's agreed to bring a subpoenaed document from the Biden family investigation to Capitol Hill for lawmakers to inspect on Monday. Oh, wow. Um, the document in question, an FD-1023, which is a con uncollaborated, alleg uncollaborated allegations inside this document, uh, that an informant provided the FBI January 2020 alleging Joe Biden, when he was vice president, was engaged in a bribery scheme to uh, change U.S. policy in return for $5 million to his family business. Uh, Congress alerted to the document by an FBI whistleblower who said they never really fully investigated this document. And... Uh, he was Ray was refusing to to turn it over. Be interesting to see. I don't I don't think he's going to be allowed to redact anything. I would hope not. I'm sure Congress is not going to put up with that. But it will be interesting because Ray has uh, decided on Monday he's going to turn the document over. So we will absolutely follow up with this story, and uh, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we will see what happens absolutely incredible and just broke in the uh in the last few hours there so interesting all right for also from just the news ex-capital police chief blasts nancy pelosi where has she been by the way i know she's not speaker anymore but why do we never see her in the news anymore nothing absolutely nothing until now, uh, blast Pelosi for distracting the January 6th evacuation with her daughter filming. There is footage here. Let me show you. This is from John Sullivan's site. This is some of the unreleased. Uh, okay, we don't need the ad. So, yeah, uh, this is some of the un. Oh, un okay. Skip ad. Here we go. Uh, there's some of the unreleased security footage, which shows Pelosi evacuating Hollywood style from the Capitol. You'll see there's some red circles around. There is Pelosi. That other circle is her idiot daughter provided complete access to everything, apparently getting in the way of security and filming Nancy for a documentary. There's more of this security footage if we can get past all the, uh, the ads. Um, anyway, the ex-Capitol police chief, Stephen Sund, fired after the January 6th events, blasting former House Speaker Pelosi for hampering her evacuation from the Capitol that day by letting her daughter, Alexandra, film her exit. The Senate provided a distraction that put unnecessary strain on her security detail. When you look at the footage, uh, what you need to realize is a protective detail is specifically for the protectee, in this case, Pelosi. You're there protecting the protectee. Now, Capitol Police, statutorily, do have the authority to protect family members. And it's my understanding the person holding the camera was Pelosi's daughter. But she's there in the position of being the media, not being Pelosi's daughter. The protective detail isn't there to protect media and whoever else was there for the sole purpose of videotaping creates a major distraction for the protective detail. You know, they don't train to protect those additional people. The other thing is, is the way Pelosi exits. 
you know, you saw the comments about, oh, I was so frightened for my life. I was in danger of being being harmed. It was so frantic. Everything was so crazy. And then you look at this footage, if we could possibly get past the ads, you look at this footage and you realize you don't see any, any oh my God, I have to get out of here. They're not even walking fast. They're just basically... Sondering out of the capital. Anyway, this article is in our show notes. You can check it out. You can see the security footage. You can check out everything this ex-security chief had to say. And uh, yeah, hiding under desks and tables and the rest of that. They were banging on the door, locked in rooms with terrorists banging. We didn't sign up for that. And yet when you see this footage, you see Pelosi just kind of walking down the hallway and uh, not really doing anything that looks like she felt her life was in danger. No surprise, folks. No surprise. All right. <laughs> I told you we found the dumbest person on the planet. We have. It isn't a famous person. This person is not famous at all. In fact, they'll probably be famous after this. But in general, this is not a famous person. This is just a really stupid person. Take a look at the headline. I sued my parents for having me without my permission. Now I have kids. Talk about a head shaker. This is the moron. I was a mom on TikTok, deadpanned a ridiculous reason for because because she didn't get her her parents didn't get her permission to be born. So now she's suing them. A New Jersey TikToker joked she was suing her parents, shocked viewers this week when she revealed she actually has kids. I thought it was obvious I was joking. The Hoboken woman. Oh, from Hoboken, that would figure. I do find it humorous, though. People got worked up over anything. It shows how little people research before reacting. The TikToker who goes by Kaz Thiaz states her bio, her account is satire. She said she would sue her parents for bringing, into the wor bringing her into the world without her permission. So fans were a bit confused this week when she said she has kids of her own. 2.2 million views later, the self-described lesbian sits in a car and explains she had kids the ethical way by adopting them. I mentioned in my last video, she said that I went clothes shopping for my children and a lot of people were shocked to hear I have kids considering I sued my parents for having me without my permission. Yeah. So my parents that I sued, they contributed to, you know, conceiving me and my mother that raised me. She gave birth to me. And that's why I sued them because I didn't consent to being here. Like I was unaware that I was going to have to grow up and get a job and support myself. Keeping a straight face, she adds, 
I just didn't consent to doing that. They didn't try to contact me in any way before I was born to, to see if I actually wanted to be here. And that's why I sued them. She suggests pregnant women could hire a psychic medium to ask their unborn children if they want to be born. I cannot do any more on this story because it's making my head hurt. I just, seriously. Yeah, I, this is weird. It's good, but it's weird. Elon, who has no problem telling you exactly what he thinks when he tweets, has come out with some rather interesting comments about how the left is so into making these irreversible changes to kids. Transgender surgery, puberty blockers. Take a look at what Elon had to say, and good on him. Shame on those who advocate this. Elon Musk says he will push to criminalize making severe, irreversible changes to children below the age of consent. Good on you, Mr. Musk. He looks like he means business. He's indicated he will actively push to criminalize the performing permanent gender transition measures on children who have not yet reached the age of consent. This is a major problem, quoting Musk. I will be actively lobbying to criminalize making severe irre irreversible changes to children before the, below the age of consent. Shame on those people who advocate this. It is utterly contemptible. Wow. How about that? Could there be any more ads? It's all ads. <laughs> Anyway, good on you, Elon, and uh, we'll hold you to your word. I hope, well, I'm quite sure he's being honest. Elon doesn't screw around when it comes to these things. But this is, um, yeah. What'll be interesting to know is what's going to happen when, uh, what's going to happen when, you know how we've, we've told you about ways, even the government is promoting ways for, for, uh, Planned Parenthood and activists to get around the parents. Oh, yeah. We did that story in our last show. Check it out. Frightening. Speaking of uh, Twitter, <laughs> have you seen the AOC parody account? It's phenomenally funny. I followed it immediately. So did millions of other people, by the way. And she is going crazy. And frankly, it's a whole Streisand effect. She's screaming and yelling about, get rid of this account. It's an obvious parody, but it's brilliant. If you haven't found it, go find it. And get this, also from Blaze Media, links in our show notes. NBC News tries to rescue AOC from the parody account by blaming Elon Musk and then buries the truth. There's Horseface. NBC News published a story Wednesday morning blaming Elon Musk 
for the amplification of the parody account on Twitter that mocks Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The Blaze reported New York Democrat is upset a verified parody account at AOC Press is potentially misleading her supporters with viral tweets that are mocking her. Uh, FYI, there's a fake account on, this is from AOC, a fake account on here impersonating me and going viral. The Twitter CEO has engaged it, boosting visibility. It's releasing false policy statements and gaining spread. Uh, AOC complained on Tuesday, I'm assessing with my team how to move forward. Now get this, NBC News regurgitated the narrative about the parody account, claiming it has skyrocketed in followers and engagement over the last two days with some help from Elon Musk. Hmm. Not only does the story claim that the interaction from Musk increased the parody account's visibility, but the outlet reported the account is fooling some of the people who read its tweets, bringing to life some of the fears about Musk's paid verification system that stripped legacy verified users of their blue check marks. The truth, as the story itself explained, so NBC basically explained that they were lying or burying the truth, is the parody account actually got more attention after AOC herself tweeted complaining about it, which is when Musk first reacted to it. So, sorry, not gonna happen. You're an idiot. Probably truly the dumbest member of Congress. But if you want, please go check that out at AOC Press on Twitter. It is hilarious. It is funny as hell. And um, you just gotta check it out because it's beyond amazing. All right. Hey, just a quick word here from our good folks at Blackout Coffee. They are one of our sponsors here on the show, and we got you an incredible special deal. This coffee is amazing, but more, well, the coffee's incredibly good. Strong, fantastic coffee you will love. But here's the cool part. This company, Blackout Coffee, was founded on the principles of conservative values. The founders of this company believe in the importance of work, hard work, personal responsibility, family, respect, and good old American traditional values. The best small batch fresh ground coffee you could find. And it is all done in-house. You will absolutely love this coffee. It comes in a variety of, of uh, grinds. And like I said, if for no other reason, support this company because they support our values. Blackout Coffee, if you use the link, which is down there in our show notes, just hit the expand button, it'll load and then look for Blackout Coffee. Click there, use that link. It will get you an incredible deal. And because I know y'all love your promo codes. I got you one of those too. You use the promo code JS20, J-A-Y-S 20 at checkout and you will get 20% off your first order with Blackout Coffee. Fantastic. Amazing coffee. Amazing company. Uh, these guys, they're right there with us and they really do, uh, they really do help to uh, support not only our 
troops, our first responders. Incredible company. Please support them. I am so proud to have them as part of our show. All right. Does the word misinformation come to mind when I say these three letters? FDA? Yeah, probably these days. That's a fact. Well, guess what? The FDA would like you to tattletale on your neighbors and friends. No, no I'm, I'm not, not kidding. kidding. The, uh, this is from Reclaim the Net, links in our show notes. The FDA wants people to report misinformation. Mm, people have thoughts. FDA-approved speech. In a recent announcement, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has revealed the launch of a web page designed specifically to address and curtail what it says is the spread of misinformation related to health and medical topics online. Look, there's some crap out there, there's no doubt about it, but there's a lot of truth out there that they would rather you didn't know. And that's included also in this garbage. The initiative known as the Rumor Control Page <laughs> invites users to report instances of perceived misinformation on the internet, specifically on social media platforms. There's a, uh, here you go. This is the webpage. How to report misinformation online. And whatever, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, WhatsApp, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, the growing spread of rumors, misinformation, and disinformation about science, medicine, and the FDA is putting patients and customers, consumers at risk. We're here to provide the facts. Ah, uh, yeah. We're here to provide the facts. This is from the FDA. Mm. Shall we talk about masks? Clot shots? Anything like that you want, you want to talk about? No? You don't want to talk about that? Okay. Check out the link in our show notes. Find out more about it. It's frightening. It's stupid. These people won't stop. And uh, until they completely control everything that you think and say, you know, Newspeak, 1984, which we're reading, by the way. <laughs> frightening. All right. I'm sure you've seen it by now, but hang on. Blackout coffee break. Oh, that's good. Okay. Biden had another fall today. Yep. This one actually is concerning. This is not something to joke about because he took a tumble. Biden falls on stage at the U.S. Air Force Academy graduation. Concerns over Biden's health, of course, continue. 80 years old, oldest serving executive in U.S. history. Suffered a nasty fall today, if you haven't heard about it or seen it yet, at the U.S. Air Force Academy graduation on Thursday. Video footage shows the president hand one graduate his diploma, at which point the crowd breaks into applause, then turns to his left and stumbles, prompting screams from the crowd. Uh, yeah, I think this is the actual footage here. Check this out. Uh, salute, and then boom. Wow. Down he goes. Dang. Um, I saw an unsubstantiated, unconfirmed report 
that he had broken his hip. I do not have that uh, verified. I saw that on a couple of posts. And like I said, I don't know. From that fall, he does get up and keep walking. So I'm kind of doubting the fact that he might have maybe fractured or something. I don't know. We'll follow up, see what happens. But part of this stupidity is... And I'm not going to make fun about this fall. Now, tumbling down the stairs, all that kind of crap, okay, that was funny. But what you didn't see was all the other dementia crap that happened. Yeah, like this says from redstate.com, Biden goes full-on delusional during an Air Force commencement speech. He spoke at the Academy Thursday, and we've seen in the past when they prep him up for events, he's been given detailed notes, even down to where to stand and telling him what to say and where to say thank you. It's evident how far his mind is really gone, but they have no shame when it comes to tossing him out there. Take a look at this, which is before he took the fall. Here he comes, walking out. Uh, No, that's not the way. You don't go that way. And comes around behind the stage. Still can't. Ah, there you go. There's the stairs. Finally, watch the stairs. You're not good on stairs. Okay, then uh, I go over here to the podium. Yes, you go to the podium. That would be where you're making your speech. So, here we go. He goes over and, no, no, you got to go up to the, there you go. Up to the podium. No, 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 no. Okay. Back around. Here we go. The the podium, Joe. It, it's over on the other side. Those guys that fly over shortly? You heard of them, haven't you? Three of them are women. <laughs> so don't screw around, guys. Yeah, okay. Very nice. Well, 300 years ago, (laughs) I applied for the Naval Academy. And I was picked by the senator. There's two ways senators can pick. They can pick individually, or they can name 10 people and let the academy choose. I was a relatively good football player, so I had a shot. I remember the day... But a guy named Steve Dunning from my class was also nominated. Drove up, it was about 7 in the morning, we were going to drive down to Annapolis. And I had just heard the night before, they had a halfback named Joe Bellino, won the Heisman Trophy, and a quarterback named Roger Staubach. I went to Delaware. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. There is no record of any of those things ever happening very nice so he continues to get lost he wanders around he manages to finally get through the service and then the fall happens and like i said i'm not gonna make any fun of that fall it was a horrible fall i certainly hope he's okay it did not look good so we'll see what happens all right I got one more for you before we move on to our book tonight. Uh, 
Here's another one you likely have seen, but I wanted to at least provide you with some information, let you know what was going on about it, because it is hot, it is happening, and everybody and their brother and sister is trying to log on to this website. The website revealing over 10,000 photos from Hunter Biden's laptop crashes. No surprise there, shortly after its initial launch. There were just too many people trying to get on. It's like a DOS account uh, attack. A new website unveiling over 10,000 photos from the laptop, which aimed at bringing truth and transparency to America's first family, crashed shortly after launching Thursday. Garrett Ziegler, the founder of the nonprofit Marco Polo, told Fox News, it took engineers on the site BidenLaptopMedia.com a couple of months to redact obscene content from thousands of photos from 2008 to 2019, including images exposing Hunter's genitals and multiple nude photos of his deceased brother, Beau Biden's wife, Haley Biden. The number one thing we're about is truth and transparency, Ziegler said. If the American people want to know what the first family is like, they're going to get it, and we're not going to be taking out photos that paint the Bidens in a good light. Reports claim the website servers continued to crash Thursday afternoon. Thousands and thousands of people were trying to log on. Matt Wallace says they keep crashing the server showing pictures from the Hunter Biden laptop. Servers going in and out, but all the pictures are up and hundreds of thousands of people have seen them already. Absolutely incredible. Links to this also is in our show notes, so check it out if you can. What is going on out there? No idea. Okay. <laughs> I'm hearing weird noises. Oh, great. Now the studio's haunted. Never know. Could be. Hmm. Mm. Another blackout coffee break. Good stuff. Links in our show notes support Blackout Coffee. They're a great company, and they make a great coffee. All right, you ready? I'm almost ready. It is time for our book. We're reading 1984 from George Orwell simply because we are living in 1984. I told you before, we've, we've read books on this show for the longest time, mostly children's classic literature, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, uh... Alice in Wonderland, and uh, we decided to do 1984 from a viewer's suggestion, but also because it's, it's a brilliant idea, because we live in, in those times. It is frightening how prophetic George Orwell was when he wrote this book. I've never actually read the entire book before. I've, I know all the quotes, I know all about it, but I never sat down and read the book, shame to say. So I'm reading it with you, and uh, we're getting through it. And uh, we're going to move on. We're in chapter eight right now, and we will continue now with George Orwell's 1984. I never knew it had been a church, he said. Ah, there are a lot of them, really, the old man said, though they've been put to other uses. Now, how did that rhyme go? Ah, I got it. Oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clemens. You owe me three farthings say the bell of St. Martin's. There now, that's about as far as I can get. A farthing that was a copper coin looked something like a cent. 
Where was St. Martin's? asked Winston. St. Martin's? Oh, that's still standing. It's in Victory Square, alongside the picture gallery. A building that's a kind of a triangular porch and pillar in front, a big flight of steps. Winston knew the place well. It was a museum, used for propaganda displays of various kinds, scale models of rocket bombs and floating fortresses, waxworks, tableau illustrating enemy atrocities and the like. St. Martin's in the Fields, it used to be called, supplemented the old man, though I don't recall any fields anywhere near those parts. Winston did not buy the picture. It would have been an even more incongruous possession than the glass paperweight, and impossible to carry home unless it were taken out of its frame. But he lingered for some minutes more, talking to the old man whose name he discovered was not weeks as one might have gathered from the inscription over the shop front, but Charrington. Mr. Charrington, it seemed, was a widower, aged 63, had inhabited this shop for 30 years. Throughout that time, he'd been intending to alter the name over the window, but never quite got to the point of doing it. All the while that they'd been talking, the half-remembered rhyme kept running through Winston's head. Oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clemens. You owe me three farthings, say the bells of St. Martin's. It was curious, but when you said it to yourself, you had the illusion of actually hearing bells. The bells of a lost London that still existed somewhere or other disguised, forgotten, from one ghostly steeple after another, he seemed to hear them peeling forth. Yet, so far as he could remember, he'd never in real life heard church bells ringing. He got away from Mr. Charrington, went down to the stairs alone, and so as not to let the old man see him reconnoitering the street before stepping out of the door. He'd already made up his mind that after a suitable interval, a month, say, he'd take the risk of visiting the shop again. It was perhaps not more dangerous than shirking an evening at the center. A serious piece of folly had been to come back here in the first place. After buying the diary and without knowing whether the proprietor of their shop could be trusted. However, yes, he thought again, he would come back. He would buy further scraps of beautiful rubbish. He would buy the engraving of St. Clement's Danes, take it out of its frame and carry it home concealed under the jacket of his overalls. He would drag the rest of that poem out of Mr. Charrington's memory. Even the lunatic project of renting the room upstairs flashed momentarily through his mind again. For perhaps... Five seconds, exultation made him careless, and he stepped out onto the pavement without so much as a preliminary glance through the window. He'd even started humming an improvised tune. Oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clemens. You owe me three farthings, say the... Suddenly, his heart seemed to turn to ice and his bowels to water. A figure in blue overalls was coming down the pavement not ten meters away. 
It was the girl from the fiction department, the girl with the dark hair. The light was failing, but there was no difficulty in recognizing her. She looked him straight in the face and then walked quickly on as though she hadn't seen him. For a few seconds, Winston was too paralyzed to move. Then he turned to the right and walked heavily away, not noticing for the moment that he was going in the wrong direction. At any rate, one question was settled. There was no doubt any longer the girl was spying on him. She must have followed him here because it wasn't that credible that by pure chance she would have happened to be walking on the same evening up the same obscure back street, kilometers distant from any quarter where party members lived. It was too great a coincidence. Whether she was really an agent of the thought police or simply an amateur spy, actuated by officiousness, hardly mattered. It was enough she was watching him. Probably she'd seen him go into the pub as well. It was an effort to walk. The lump of glass in his pocket banged against his thigh at each step, and he was half-minded to take it out and throw it away. The worst thing was the pain in his belly. For a couple of minutes, he had the feeling he would die if he didn't reach a lavatory soon. But there would be no public lavatories in a quarter like this. And then the spasm passed, leaving a dull ache behind. The street was a blind alley. Winston halted, stood for several seconds, wondering vaguely what to do, then turned round, began to retrace his steps. As he turned, it occurred to him the girl had only passed him three minutes ago, and that by running he could probably catch up with her. He could keep her on track till they were in some quiet place, and then smash her skull in with a cobblestone. The piece of glass in his pocket would be heavy enough for the job. But he abandoned the idea immediately, because even the thought of making any physical effort was unbearable. He couldn't run, he couldn't strike a blow. Besides, she was young and lusty and would defend herself. He thought of hurrying to the community center, staying there till the place closed, so as to establish a partial alibi for the evening. But that was too impossible. A, a deadly lassitude was taking a hold of him. All he wanted to do was get home quickly and then sit down and be quiet. It was after 22 hours when he got back to the flat. The lights would be switched off at any main at 23.30. He went into the kitchen, swallowed nearly a teacup full of victory gin, then went to the table in the alcove, sat down, took the diary out of the drawer. But he didn't open it at once. From the telescreen, a brassy female voice was squalling a patriotic song. He sat staring at the marbled cover of the book, trying without success to shut the voice out of his consciousness. It was at night they came for you, always at night. The proper thing was to kill yourself before they got you. Undoubtedly, some people did so. Many of the disappearances were actually suicides. But it needed desperate 
courage to kill yourself in a world where firearms or any quick and certain poison were completely unprocurable. He thought with a kind of astonishment of the biological uselessness of pain and fear, the treachery of the human body which also freezes into inertia at exactly the moment when a special effort is needed. He might have silenced the dark-haired girl if only he'd acted quickly enough. But precisely because of the extremity of his danger, he'd lost the power to act. It struck him that in moments of crisis, one is never fighting against an external enemy, but always against one's own body. Even now, in spite of the gin, dull ache in his belly made consecutive thoughts impossible. And it is the same, he perceived, in all seemingly heroic or tragic situations. On the battlefield, in the torture chamber, on a sinking ship, the issues that you're fighting for are always forgotten. Because the body swells up until it fills the universe. And even when you're not paralyzed by fright or screaming with pain... Life is a moment-to-moment -moment struggle against hunger or cold or sleeplessness, against a sour stomach or an aching tooth. He opened the diary. It was important to write something down. The woman on the telescreen had started singing a new song. Her voice seemed to stick into his brain like jagged splinters of glass. He tried to think of O'Brien, for whom, or to whom, the diary was written. But instead of, he began to think of things that would happen to him after the thought police took him away. It would not matter if they killed you at once. To be killed was what you expected. But before death, nobody spoke of such things. Yet, everybody knew of them. There was the routine of confession that had to be gone through. The groveling on the floor, the screaming for mercy, the crack of broken bones, the smashed teeth, the bloodied clots of hair. Why did you have to endure it, since the end was always the same? Why was it not possible to cut a few days or weeks out of your life. Nobody ever escaped detection, and nobody ever failed to confess. When once you had succumbed to thought crime, it was certain that by a given date, you would be dead. Why then did that horror, which altered nothing, have to lie embodied in future time? He tried, with a little more success than before, to summon up the image of O'Brien. We shall meet in the place where there is no darkness, O'Brien had said to him. He knew what it meant, or thought he knew. The place where there is no darkness was the imagined future, which one would never see, but which by foreknowledge one could mystically share in. But with the voice from the telescreen nagging at his ears, he could not follow the train of thought further. He put a cigarette in his mouth, 
Half the tobacco promptly fell out onto his tongue, a bitter dust which he was difficult to spit out again. The face of Big Brother swarmed into his mind, displacing that of O'Brien, and just as he'd done a few days earlier, he slid a coin out of his pocket and looked at it. Face gazed up at him, heavy, calm, protecting. But what kind of smile was hidden beneath the dark mustache? Like a leaden knell, the words came back to him. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Endurance is strength. And that's the end of chapter 8. We'll head into chapter 9 coming up in our next stream on Monday in George Orwell's 1984. What a book. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us. We really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, just take a second to click that follow button right there. It means a lot. Costs you nothing. Very quick and easy to do. Click follow. Helps the show out a lot. We really do appreciate it. Be sure to check out all of our great sponsors. You get some incredible deals. Grab them before they go away right down there in our show notes. And I will see you all on Monday. Good night. Good <laughs> night.